Welcome back to the Rising Sun Lumen Bahalis podcast. I'm new to the trade, so I'm starting to get the hang of it a little bit. I hope you're enjoying the listens. We'll start today's episode, which is, as we foreshadowed in the last episode, who and what are the enemies and the social barriers. We got to stop fighting each other and fighting ourselves. Otherwise, what we've got here is failure to communicate. Some men you just can't reach. So you can get what we had here last week, which is the way he wants. Well, he gets.
the last thing we need in this country which I've been told by a little birdie might be on the horizon the civil war we have to start pitting against each other and start uniting under one flag one constitution equality for all humans. We need to start uniting. Amanda Gorman is a young lady. Not a young lady, she's a young woman. She's 22. 
And she made the inauguration address. And Biden asked her to do it along the lines of uniting the country. So we're going to listen to her poem before we get started on the who, what, when, where is the enemy. It's not each other. Sometimes it's in yourself, but it's not against each other. We're going to stop fighting each other. Here's Amanda Gorman. The hill we climb. Mr. President, Dr. Biden, Madam Vice President, Mr. Emhoff, Americans and the world. When day comes, we ask ourselves, where can we find light in this never-ending shade? The loss we carry, a sea we must wade. We've braved the belly of the beast. We've learned that quiet isn't always peace. And the norms and notions of what just is, isn't always just is. And yet the dawn is ours before we knew it. Somehow we do it. Somehow we've weathered and witnessed a nation that isn't broken, but simply unfinished. We, the successors of a country and a time where a skinny black girl descended from slaves and raised by a single mother can dream of becoming president only to find herself reciting for one. And yes, we are far from polished, far from pristine, but that doesn't mean we are striving to form a union that is perfect. We are striving to forge our union with purpose, to compose a country committed to all cultures, colors, characters, and conditions of man. And so we lift our gaze not to what stands between us, but what stands before us. We close the divide because we know to put our future first. We must first put our differences aside. We lay down our arms so we can reach out our arms to one another. We seek harm to none and harmony for all. Let the globe, if nothing else, say this is true. That even as we grieved, we grew. That even as we hurt, we hoped. That even as we tired, we tried. That we'll forever be tied together, victorious. Not because we will never again know defeat. But because we will never again sow division. Scripture tells us to envision that everyone shall sit under their own vine and fig tree and no one shall make them afraid. If we're to live up to our own time, then victory won't lie in the blade, but in all the bridges we've made. That is the promised glade, the hill we climb, if only we dare it, because being American is more than a pride we inherit. It's the past we step into and how we repair it.
We've seen a forest that would shatter our nation rather than share it, would destroy our country if it meant delaying democracy. And this effort very nearly succeeded. But while democracy can be periodically delayed, it can never be permanently defeated. In this truth, in this faith we trust, for while we have our eyes on the future, history has its eyes on us. This is the era of just redemption. We feared it at its inception. We did not feel prepared to be the heirs of such a terrifying hour, but within it we found the power to author a new chapter, to offer hope and laughter to ourselves. So, while once we asked... How could we possibly prevail over catastrophe? Now we assert. How could catastrophe possibly prevail over us? We will not march back to what was, but move to what shall be, a country that is bruised, but whole, benevolent, but bold, fierce, and free. We will not be turned around or interrupted by intimidation because we know our inaction and inertia will be the inheritance of the next generation. Our blunders become their burdens. But one thing is certain. If we merge mercy with might and might with right, then love becomes our legacy and change our children's birthright. So let us leave behind a country better than the one we were left with every breath from my bronze-pounded chest. We will raise this wounded world into a wondrous one. We will rise from the gold-limbed hills of the west. We will rise from the wind-swept northeast where our forefathers first realized revolution. We will rise from the lake-rimmed cities of the Midwestern states. We will rise from the sun-baked south. We will rebuild reconcile and recover in every known nook of our nation in every corner called our country our people diverse and beautiful will emerge battered and beautiful when day comes we step out of the shade aflame and unafraid the new dawn blooms as we free it for there is always light if only we're brave enough to see it if only we're brave enough to be it Wonderful, wonderful poem by Miss Gorman. At the time was 22. Interestingly enough, halfway through that, guess what was going on? Trump incited the Capitol riot. Halfway through her speech there, her poem. That's what was going on. Bozos. Trying to raid the capital. Like the beloved shaman. What an idiot. Makes that speech, that poem, that delivery, that much more historical. First of all, she's a 22-year-old black woman. Which is historical for an inauguration speech. Second of all, you've got the stupid idiots on January 6th storming the Capitol. That's a pretty historical p 
piece you just listened to. Nevertheless, <clears throat> moving into the meat here. So, the BLM 2.0, All Babies Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, Brown Lives Matter. So why are we still oppressed? Why are we fighting each other? Why are we fighting ourselves? Well, I'm gonna explain on some level who or what is the real enemy. First of all, legislation by senators and congressmen on both the federal and state level have merely compounded and poured fuel on the systematic racism and the sociological barriers facing people of color in this country. The police don't make these laws. The legislation does. The police are just doing their jobs. That's why BLM 2.0 is Blue Lives Matter as well. We're, we're going to unite. We have to. You're going to. Come hell or high water. The second enemy, well, in no particular order, is this. It's a lack of access to proper medical care. Inner cities don't have hospitals. They have to go to the ER and they get kicked out because they don't have insurance. They don't have money. And they don't have access to health care. And they're suffering. And I'm not going to go on a big diatribe about how we, in short order, need to pass universal health care in this country. Thirdly, the big, one of the biggest businesses in this country is the prison industry. That is not right. It's doing nothing but creating hate, division. Nobody is being rehabilitated. We don't have rehabilitation or trans transitional processes um, for prisoners when they get out. Somebody gets stuck with a felony, you can't get a apartment, you can't get a job. You can't get anything. So what? It's a cycle. They just keep going in, going in. And who's profiting off of that? You follow the you follow the trails. I'm not gonna tell you everything. Corporations won. Are there any legislation or legislatures or lobbyists involved in this? Because it's not working. The prison, the jailing, everybody. 
for nonviolent offenses is not working. It only makes nonviolent offenders violent and racist based in prison. Number four, the CIA and the Pentagon has been flushing drugs into the communities, the poor communities, the farm communities, since the 60s with crack, cocaine, opium, methamphetamines. It's documented. They put it on the streets and turn around and profit off of it when they arrest you. It's a business. They collect on both sides of it. With the opiates, where do all these pills come from? You can barely get an opiate. You can barely get a painkiller. Yet, they're flooded. In minority communities all over the country, in white, white communities, our communities, there's just an abundance of opiates. Where does it come from? Ask yourself that. Number five, who or what is the enemy? The wage gap. The rich get richer, the poor get poorer, and essentially there is no more middle class thanks to COVID that was released by quote-unquote them. The middle class is non-existent essentially anymore. So, yeah, the wage gap, corporate policy and influence in D.C. on taxes, etc. The corporate influence makes us value stupid stuff that is marketed to us by celebrities. That's not what we should value. We should value each other. You know? Number six enemy is the corporate media, which is owned by a few select people. Fox is owned by Murdoch. And on and on. Turner owns Time Warner. They changed the names. GE owns CBS, all those stations. And Disney I don't know who the CEO is. What's up, Michael Eisner? I've had my eye on you. He is not the CEO of Disney anymore. Those are basically the only news outlets we get. Essentially, it's propaganda, and it's diversive. Not diversified. It's it, it divides. It makes us paranoid and scared of one another. It focuses on the Bad stuff. And they chalk it up to, well, that's what gets ratings. No, anything you put on TV will get ratings. You just choose to scare the people so the people will go against themselves and be scared of each other. Number seven, voter suppression laws. 
and gerrymandering to this day is still going on. How are y'all doing in Texas? You've done some gerrymandering recently. Why is it so hard for a person of color to vote? Well, first, they usually have no access to get to the DMV or money. Second, they don't have access or resources to get to all these different places, which is damn near impossible to get an ID. Personally, I propagate just using facial identity on people. Bam, you know who it is. They can't vote again. It'd be that simple. But we suppress the black vote. We suppress the brown vote. We suppress everyone's vote. In minority communities. Well, frankly, they're the, they're the majority communities. So that's a misnomer. And the eighth thing that I came up with was the regentrification that goes on in urban areas. Everybody knows what that is, correct? That means, well, White flight took place 20 years ago into the suburbs, still takes place, leaving people in the inner city. So now they want to rebuild the inner city. The prices get sky high when they rebuild everything, and people can't afford to live there. Where in the hell are they supposed to go? That's a big problem. Regentrification is a big problem. Who's responsible for that? Sure isn't the police or the black community. Who's responsible for that? Ask yourself. I'm not going to answer it. Anyway, there's more systematic Oppressive barriers. The more you can think of and add to the list, the better. That's just all the time I have for it right now. Moving along for the BLM 2.0 movement. We've got some general rules, some suggestions that people need to follow when uniting and protesting the right people the right places ideally like i've said in the first episode we would have planned and financed the black lives matter 2 movement a year to in advance and do it in 2024 however we have organic domestic problems manifesting now Hell, hell, now, that been manifested for years on end. Who, who, who are we kidding? As I've said before in the first episode, we cannot let the racists and the alt-right and the Nazis and the KKKs 
we cannot allow them time to organize. Secondly, this is not a time in the BLM2 movement for violence and pitting one side versus the other like we did the first time. We've identified some of the real problems and enemies and perpetrators of oppression just a couple minutes ago. People are just doing their job, trying to make a buck on both sides. And we're not going to pit sides against each other. This movement is going to be for those who are in unison. To go to a brave new world. We're not going to rewrite history. History is what it is. We're just going to make it manifest what the Constitution declares every American citizen. That's freedom and equality. No matter who or what you identify as, we're all equal. Furthermore, this is not the time for civil disobedience, pitting once again one side versus another. That will lead to civil war. But that's not going to happen because we've got eyes in the sky. There'll be boots on the ground. Everything will be okay. Hopefully it'll go peaceful. Peacefully. And we'll celebrate black history like it needs to be celebrated. Not in one stupid month of February. We're going to do it, like I said, from the winter solstice to the summer solstice and make it a circle. We're going to be united. United we stand, divided we fall. There will not be a civil war. Mark my words. Speaking on behalf of the United States military, we will not allow that to happen. You want to pull some shit and get jiggy? Good luck. This isn't 1860s where I've got muskets. <laughs> Good luck trying to incite civil war. Down you'll go. Thirdly, <clears throat> moving along, thirdly, everybody is a reminder to bring your guns. Everybody. The Second Amendment allows that. And if something breaks out, we'll have guns so the military or the police don't really have to get involved. We'll take care of it ourselves. If it gets out of control, eye in the sky. Poof. We're not bringing guns to use. We're just bringing them as precautionary last resort measures. You're not going to be pulling guns and shooting them in the air and all that stuff. 
It's last resort. Somebody starts going at one side versus another based on racism or discrimination or anything like that. Well, we'll have the ability to resolve it right there on the ground as the citizens of the United States of America involved in the BLM 2.0 movement. Fourthly, we will not destroy, deface, or fuck up any federal or state buildings, nor will we tear down historical statues and monuments. Trust me, if that starts to happen, like it did in the summer of 2020, the blue lies have all rights to open fire on your ass. The citizens have a right to open fire on your ass. Do not destroy our history. You want to destroy it, take these monuments down to rewrite history? What are you, a Nazi? That's crazy. You can't rewrite history. You just have to go forward. And we have to create new monuments, new statues for people from all colors and races. For the contributions they make to this great country. So don't even think about tearing stuff up. I'm not going to propagate it. I'm not going to suggest it or advise it. But you shouldn't give a damn about corporate buildings. So yeah, you start destroying stuff that's historical. The American, on behalf of the American people, there will be dire consequences for you. We must focus on going forward and creating new statues and buildings. Not attempt to burn books like Nazis do. Fifth, a basic schedule for rallies and the protests. Say so we will go to and celebrate a different city weekly. The rallies will be normally held starting on Thursday, going Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. This gives people three to four days to travel to the next destination and set up shop there. In the BLM 2.0 movement, we the people should start petitions and or demanding that the federal government should give us, the people, a stimulus package to unite us as one for this movement. I'm not joking. Doing this 
would be so much more productive than all the billions of trillions they have spent over the years, past 50 years, with the handouts and well, all the crap they've done. All the crap they've done. No, that's one way to finance this. It's for the greater good. It's not a handout. It's a means that everyone can participate who is on the same level. Think about it. Just think about it. So roughly the schedule will be as follows. On Thursdays, it'll be like a pre-rally. You'll set up sites. You'll set up your tents. You'll start showing up. And there will be organizers there on the ground telling you where to go, where you can't go, where you're going, and this and that. It's a preparation day. On Fridays, it'll be a full force rally at any given city. We will protest what we need to protest. And we will come together in memorandum to celebrate pioneers. We'll celebrate milestones in black history because it needs to be done. Again, because we have all forgotten. It's just poo-pooed. Saturdays. We'll continue uniting in memorandum and protesting sociological, systematic racial barriers which hold our country back. The Saturdays will have keynote speakers that I've selected. Hopefully they will participate that will inspire and share their story and do a good job of uniting, not dividing. These speakers, the keynote speakers, will speak at 8 o'clock Eastern Time. Some cities there's three, some cities there's two, some cities there's one. Either way, they'll start at 8 o'clock Eastern because that's prime time. And there won't be any college football to watch, so you can watch it. Sundays will be cleanup. Moving forward to the next cities together, united, begin traveling. If people need rides, then give them one, goddammit. Not everybody's as well off as every everybody. They're not going to hurt you. They just want to go rally and unite. Be united, not divided. Let's make this work for everyone on all of our babies now and in the future to honor them. Um, at all these cities that I'm going to name off the rally points of the BLM 2.0 movement, I encourage people to set up art stands, craft stands, sell t-shirts, and get small business going. 
sell popcorn, sell whatever. Sell beer, I didn't say that. Don't sell yourself short. We're in an economy of hyperinflation where 90% of the people don't have money anyway. Higher than that. So make a buck while uniting. It's a win-win, win-win-win. Just brainstorm yourself on if you want to do something at a particular city, like create native art and sell native art, go for it. And on and on. Next, we're going to move into the rally points and the destinations. So far, I've got 10 of them. All in all, there will be 20 of them or 25 of them. And they will all be, it's all selected for a reason and logistical purposes for the most part. And so we can do this during the winter months. You'll know it's really us. Thank you for joining this episode and listening to this episode of the Rising Sun Lumen Bahala podcast. I shall remain nameless and anonymous. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your time. Next episode, we're going to move along to the rally points and city by city and what we're going to celebrate and what we're going to protest. I love you all. Love on yourselves. Love each other. Let's go forward. Always forward. Good night.